Today's show is part two of Common Testing Problems. Stay tuned. Welcome to the show where we tackle the tough questions that are going to be submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, IT personnel, and even customers. On this show, we connect at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button and the bell button to be notified when new content is being released? If you're listening to us on one of the audio platforms like iTunes or or one of those others, would you mind leaving us a five-star rating? Those couple little steps helps us take on the algorithm so we can get more information out there to people in the ICT industry so we can educate encourage, and enrich the lives of people in the ICT industry. Also, what are you doing Thursday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time? We have a multi-stream broadcast where we answer your questions live on YouTube, LinkedIn Live, TikTok, and a bunch of other platforms. Thursday night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Questions submitted via comments, direct message, or even emails at questions at letstalkcabling.com get preference. But I can hear you now. Chuck, I'm driving home. I can't be watching a video. They are recorded and put on our website, letstalkcabling.com. Finally, while we provide this content free of charge, and we always will, if you would like to support this channel and have access to additional information, make sure you check out our QR code, where you can buy me a cup of coffee, you can schedule a one-on-one 15-minute Zoom call with me, after hours, of course, and also become a Patreon member. Patreon members enjoy additional benefits, and also you can visit the Amazon Links page where you can see some ICT products that I've put on there. And if you buy one of those, you won't pay extra, but I'll get a little bit of a stipend if you do. That helps pay the cost for the hosting fees for this show. Tonight, we close out part two series on common testing problems and their solutions. Just as a reminder, last week we covered how testers have changed from the days when I first got in this industry, to the difference between permalink and channel testing and when you should be using each one of those, and which one is recognized by manufacturers for warranties. We discussed wire map fails, we discussed insertion loss, and EMI in the forms of near and crosstalk, far and crosstalk, power sum near and and power sum far and crosstalk. So tonight, we're going to cover propagation delay, delay skew, Alien crosstalk testing, MPTL, and also return loss. Propagation delay is the amount of time that it takes a signal to get from one end of the cable to the other end of the cable, and it's usually going to be measured in nanoseconds. So think of the cable as a quarter mile drag strip, and you got yourself a brand new Dodge Hellcat. Love to have a Dodge Hellcat. <laughs> Since propagation delay changes as the frequency changes, every test manufacturer sets it up to do the, that test at 10 megahertz for commonality amongst all the tests. In fact, I think that's even specified in the standards. This is important because of how Ethernet actually works. Now, I mentioned this before in previous shows, but let's do this again in case maybe you didn't hear it. If, if in Ethernet you have a transmitter, a receiver, and those transmitter and receivers are connected by the media, such as copper or fiber cabling. The transmitter is going to take all those ones and zeros, and it's going to put them into a packet. It then puts a start bit on the beginning of that packet, which 
when the receiver gets that start bit, it tells the receiver, hey, I need to start listening. And then the transmitter is also going to put a stop bit on that packet, which will tell that receiver to quit listening. This type of transmission is called an asynchronous transmission because the inclusion of the start and stop bits. Synchronous transmission does not have a start or stop bit. It works on a timed relationship or a pulse with the clock, and it's considered to be more efficient. This is where propagation delay becomes pretty important. Once that transmitter sends that packet down the cable, it's going to listen for about 570 nanoseconds. Now, it's listening because once the receiver gets that signal, it's going to send a confirmation signal back to the transmitter that, in fact, yes, I did get that signal. And if it takes longer than that anticipated 570 nanoseconds, the transmitter is just going to assume that that packet was lost and it's going to have to resend that original packet instead of sending the next packet. This results in latency on the LAN. There is only one cause that I'm aware of that can cause propagation delay, and that is your cable is just too long. But here's the rub. If your cable passes all the other tests that's performed by that tester, and the only fail that you get could possibly still have a working network connection. There's some documentation out there by some reputable sources that states that a cable up to 25% longer than it's allowed by the standards may still support most networks. The true determining factor is the quality of the cable, the quality of the connectivity components like the jacks, the patch panels, how well you installed that cable, such as avoiding things such as staples, crushing the jacket, and separation from potential sources of EMI. I just did a very controversial TikTok video on this where it blew up because of EMI and, and electric. However, you need to exercise some caution here because if you're trying to get a warranty from a manufacturer, they may not allow this one test that could fail on you. They may not allow that to fail. They may want them to say all pass. If you're not obtaining a warranty and the customer already knows that the cable may be too long for the standards, they may accept your test results as fine because they just want that printer to work or that device to work. They already know that it's too long. The next one is delay skew. Delay skew is similar to propagation delay in the fact that it is defined as how long it takes the signal to get from one end to the cable to the other, except for it compares the time it takes on all four pairs. When you test a cable, you're going to find, if you open up those test results and actually look at the results contained in that test result, you're going to find information that says that all four lengths of those four pairs are different. In a typical test result, if you've got a cable that's saying you have a 150 feet long cable, when you look at the pair lengths, they might be at 150, 151, 152, and 153 feet. Now, if you imagine if you had the ability to snap your fingers and have all those pairs magically removed from that cable, and you could lay them flat, you would indeed find that those four pairs are four different lengths. Now imagine you have four Dodge Hellcats, because you know, one's not enough. You put your four Dodge Hellcats on four different highways, and each of those highways are all different lengths, as stated earlier. One's at 150, 151, 152, and 153 miles. Now to rule out the whole humor reaction time and, and fear, you've wired those four Dodge Hellcats up to remote control. And you hit the big green switch, and all four of them Dodge Hellcats go... <laughs> It's Fast and Furious, Cat 6A style. Well, those cars are all from the factory, and they're equally matched. And we already removed the human element. Do those four cars get to the end of their highways at the same time if they are all four different lengths? No. 
That is delay skew. But instead of it being a Dodge Hellcat, it's going to be an electron. Instead of being miles per hour, it's going to be nanoseconds. So delay skew is the difference of time from when that first arriving signal gets to the receiver to when that last signal gets to that receiver. The difference has to be under 50 nanoseconds. The lower the number, the better. Now, delay skew is important to us because we use all four pair when we do 10 gig over copper. So that receiver breaks up those sign that one signal into four distinct signals and puts one signal down each of the pairs. Now, those signals have to all get to the other side at close to the same time. Now, the receiver can accommodate for some differences, but not too much. And if you have too much of a difference, that's going to cause that receiver not to be able to put that signal back together again. With one gig, it's not an issue because they're only using two pairs. If you get delay skew error, make sure you check your terminations because the most common problem with delay skew is pair untwist. You may also get delay skew errors if you've installed a lower grade type of cable. Sometimes manufacturers will use different insulation materials on different pairs and thus affect the electron have different arrival times. Always use good quality cable. It's worth it in the long run. Because remember, the signal, the electron, travels down the outside of the copper conductor right underneath the dielectric. So the type of material that they choose will affect the performance or how fast that electron goes. The next test we're going to cover is return loss. In order to discuss this, we need to talk about characteristic impedance. According to a test manufacturer's website, characteristic impedance is defined as the impedance a cable would have if the cable were infinitely long. Proper network operation depends on the constant characteristic impedance between the cable and the connectors throughout that system. Abrupt changes in the characteristic impedance, which by the way is called anomalies, causes signal reflections that can cause network faults. That's characteristic impedance. So the characteristic impedance for four pair UTP cable is 100 ohms, plus or minus 5%. So let's say we have a cable and the characteristic impedance is 99.5 ohms. Now the connectivity products like the jacks and the patch panels are also rated to 100 ohms, plus or minus 5%. So let's say that our jacks are at 100.5 ohms of characteristic impedance. So for argument's sake, those pretty much match each other, right? But there is a slight difference between those two values. The closer those two numbers are to each other, the more signal passes through the connection point. But some does get reflected back. What gets reflected back is unwanted, so the less amount is better. The wider the gap between those two numbers, because remember it can be plus or minus 5%, the wider the gap, more signal gets reflected back. Now manufacturers try very hard to get their cables and their connectors to match characteristic impedance. You might hear the term matched systems, that's what they mean. Return loss is the measurement of how much of that signal is reflected back towards the transmitter. And as I said earlier, the smaller the number, the better performing cable it is. The last two tests I want to talk about are alien crosstalk testing and MPTL testing. First, alien crosstalk testing, which is the measurement of how much one cable interferes with another cable that's in close proximity to each other, usually in a cable tray or ladder rack system or maybe even J-hooks. Interference can be lumped into two categories, internal and external interference. Let's look at those. 
Internal interference means that interference happens inside of the cable jacket. Examples of internal interference would be near and crosstalk, far and crosstalk, and, and those. External interference is interference that gets inside of the cable from an outside source, like EMI. With alien crosstalk testing, first you have to identify what's called a disturbed or a victim cable. This cable should be in the center of one of the clusters on the patch panel. It should also be one of the longest runs on the floor. You're going to need a tester that's going to be capable of performing alien crosstalk testings to perform these tests. So make sure that your tester has that ability. First you'll attach the first tester to the disturbed cable or the victim cable at the patch board. Then you're going to give these little plugs to your apprentice and have them plug into the other side of that cable and the six cables that surround that one cable. You'll take the other tester and then you'll put it in the tester and test the disturber cables that surround that victim cable. The tester will then test how much each of the four pairs in each of those disturber cables affects the four pairs inside of each of the disturbed or victim cables. So it's doing 16 measurements per cable times six cables. Simply, you're basically just measuring how those six cables that surround that one cable, how it interferes the one in the middle. It doesn't test the one in the middle. It's really just listening. It's measuring that interference. I don't remember if this test is required by the standards off the top of my head, but it came about because of Category 6A cable. Category 6A cable performs at 500 megahertz. And this was so bad that when it first came out, it was realized that if you had two cables laying next to each other, they would interfere with each other. And that was called alien crosstalk. So we were initially told to randomize those cables in the cable tray and not to lay any two cables adjacent to each other for any long distances because of alien crosstalk. Manufacturers have since solved the alien crosstalk issues, and many of them will allow you to cable comb the cable and still get CAT6A performance. Now, cable combing is an art form. It's a way of dressing the cable in the closet so that all the cables look like a waterfall. You might even hear it called the waterfall effect. If done correctly, you should be able to put your finger on any one of the exterior cables on the bundle and trace it all the way down the entire route. If you want to see what I mean, look up Sean Rep on Instagram or TikTok. Also, Low Voltage Nation also puts out pictures as well from, from its members who have beautifully dressed some cables. If you want me to see your work and you're on one of those social media platforms, make sure that you tag me on it and I will comment on your work. Finally, MPTL testing, Modular Plug Terminated Link. That's an acronym that, that came about just a few years ago. We used to call this Direct Connection. So if you have a building automation device where it's unsafe or it's not feasible to put a normal connector on a faceplate, then you can crimp a modular plug connector on the end of that cable and plug it directly into the device. Now, there's a couple of different kinds of connectors, so make sure you choose the correct one. There's stranded, solid, and stranded and solid conductors. And there's also pass-throughs. Now, this is not for your voice or your data cabling, but it is for your access control devices, your industrial sensors, your IP cameras, and your wireless access points. You know, building automation devices, not your voice and data cabling. The way most people will test this is to put the channel heads and grab a patch cord. Then install the patch cord on the closet side, plugging it into the patch panel and the other one into the main unit of the tester. And then take the mod end that they just crimped and plug it into the channel adapter on the other side of that cable. This is the wrong way to test that cable. Let me know in the comments section if you learned that in today's show. 
The correct method for testing an MPTL is to grab a permalink adapter on one side, the side that's going to plug into the patch panel, and then put a patch cord adapter on the other tester, and then you're going to take that to the end, and you're going to take that mod end connector, and you're going to plug it right into the patch cord adapter. By the way, the patch cord adapter has to match the performance rating of the cable. So if you have a CAT6A cable going to a wireless access point, you're going to need a CAT6A patch cord adapter. If you are testing an industrial sensor with CAT5E cable, you will need a CAT5E patch cord adapter. Now, patch cord adapters are indeed different from channel adapters. Patch cord adapters, their measurement starts at the very beginning of the mod end connector. A channel adapter, its measurement starts on the other side of the mod end connector. So with a channel adapter, the thing that you most likely messed up crimping on that mod end connector is not even measured. By the way, many manufacturers have come up with some pretty innovative ways for MPTL connectors that yield better performance and are less likely to be installed incorrectly in the field. Make sure you look them up because there's some pretty ingenious systems out there. Again, if you're contractually obligated to test per the standards and or if you're seeking a manufacturer warranty, again, the correct way is to put a permalink adapter on one side and a patch cord adapter on the other side. I hope that you learned something from today's show in this two-part series, or the first series. Also, don't forget that if you, uh, if you have any questions, you can always submit them to me, as I mentioned at the beginning of this show, for our After Hours Live show to be answered on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. Or you can click on the QR code where you'll see any of my social media links and even schedule a one-on-one 15-minute call with me after hours. You can even send me an email through that link or through that QR code. I'm really excited about next week's show. I have Christopher Hobbs, RCDD, from Big C, coming back on the show. He was on the show before. We're going to discuss the 8th edition It's a Manual. We're going to discuss how you can participate in the creation of any Bixie manual, how the new manuals have been affected and changed their face-to-face classes. It should be a really good show. Remember, that's next Monday. So until next time, remember, knowledge is power. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.